It's a double date with shaving and Porter. Just a couple couples meeting up for a discussion, getting internet and into it and putting it on the internet. It's a double date with shaving and Porter. Chewing the fat, shooting the breeze, pushing the buttons and boundaries. Conversating dates, lay it on the table. It's a double date with shaving and Porter. Yeah, I think. I think this will be okay. Um, for for our listeners today, we're recording from home with a shitty microphone. So sorry if there's extra noise and the sound quality isn't up to par. But we're going to make up for it in hilariousness. Uh, welcome to the Double Date Podcast. I'm Shane Moss. I'm sitting next to the beautiful, the lovely April Macy. That's really nice. I'm real rancid right now. I got a gross, <laughs> wet ponytail. That's not true. You shower. Bill, I, yeah, I rarely shower. Almost never showers, Wait, this April is, Macy. Um, my favorite story. I was shooting this thing last week, and like the sound guy had like, taped on my, my wireless mic, and then the next day I hadn't showered, and I came back with the same piece of tape. <laughs> And he was like, do you watch? And I was like, uh, I didn't. I didn't. Your hygiene is super embarrassing it for is. everyone involved. Um, our guest today are my, my uh, dear friend Peter McGraw with the, uh, uh, with the new book, The Humor Code. And um, we'll get into that in a minute. And um, and he suckered in. <laughs> he's he's suckered uh, the lovely Amber Tozer um, into into coming on for a uh, a fake date. Peter Hi. thinks it's real, but, but, oh, but ever ever is like definitely make sure and tell everybody that this is not real. She sent me a text beforehand and said I want all of the listeners to know. How did he sucker you, by the way? I described it as an eyes wide shut scenario. Oh, wait. Yeah, we got masks. ready for the masquerade ball mask. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting. (laughs) The cloaked men will be entering (laughs) shortly. We had some swingers on the show recently, and they hadn't seen eyes wide shut. I thought that would be a required viewing. Really? Right. No? And then and then I was like, oh well, are there any weird parties ever where like everyone's wearing a mask and like it's in some fancy place? Said, yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Get oh, that a lot. Like what? <laughs> and you haven't seen eyes wide shut? Uh, so it's, uh, I don't know they what that. They were. They kept referring to themselves as living sexy, which oh, Jane God. and I. Were hey, really come fine. on! They listen to the show. They were. They were awesome guests. They're awesome guests, but living sexy. What do we like to say? That we're dying. Uh, we're dying. Pru- How? What? Are we- uh, dying prudishly. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's our, what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> we're certainly not living sexy. Um, so, so Amber, you say you um, you take time off of stand up. So, what do you? Are you a writer? What do you do for work? Yeah, I'm a writer more so than a stand-up. But I, I've been doing stand-up for a while, but I always take these long breaks. I'm like, ah, I just won't do it, and then I don't miss it. But then I always come back, so I think I should stop quitting because then it's like I never get better. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've been doing it for... Ten years, but really only one year. <laughs> no, I, I'm exaggerating. But yeah, I'm I'm a, a writer more so than a performer. I'd say. Sometimes I had a week where, and, and first off, this club that I was at uh, this last week, I'm sure he's listening to the episode, and he's a lovely man, and the club's a lot of fun uh, and everything, I don't know about usually. You, but I get gentle uh, forehead kisses when I'm there. Um, what club? Uh, it's, I'm not going to say the name <laughs> of it, but it, it was just one of those weeks that I got, first off, I got a cold, and it was in the Midwest, and there's. Um, 
And anytime it was like the first week of good weather, which means no one's going to a show. So I'm performing in like an empty club with, uh, with like, there's a dirt race track across the street from it. And it's right next to a strip club. And then I have people like arguing with, I sell some merch thing for $5 and someone doesn't want to pay five stinking dollars for my thing. I'm like, get out of here then. (laughs) Don't buy it. What do you, I'm not going to haggle with you. And I was like, you know, I think I'm going to take a year off. Yeah. I want to take a year off once in a while, which judging by my schedule, I think is going to happen. (laughs) Have you ever, did you guys ever take long breaks or what's the long? I did just in the beginning. In the beginning, because I was terrified and every time I would perform, I would feel physically ill. Like, I would sleep all my my strategy to get on stage was sleep all day because I was terrified and so to cut the the anxiety that I would feel I'd just nap it out and then I'd hurl my body to a club and then there would be a part of me where I was like oh you can run like nobody's making you do this I'd always want to flee I was like but then it took about a year and a half and then it and wasn't, and, yeah, it was consistent after about a year and a half, and then I was like, "Oh, I have no other skills. This is I've got to make this work." Because and now you're on the you like make a good living. Oh, because she's you're, like, crazy on busy. On the road, I'm on they have a spare bedroom. Yeah. yeah, I'm on yeah. the road like uh, probably <laughs> 40, Mal, 45 weeks a year, 40, 42 to forty five weeks a year. It's crazy That's busy. Amazing. I don't know. It, it feels. Like I had one year that I had. Uh, only two weeks off and I asked for them off and then I was like well this is what the rest of my life will be like yeah. I guess I've made it and then just <sighs> courier destruction find stop myself doing weird that. podcasts you stop saying couples that. you gotta stop saying that I was joking it was oh. a joke what you think you think that your career took a no 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 I first off I was joking I like um. being self-deprecating but um I no, like, I want to hear about it. <laughs> no, like I have an hour special coming out soon. That should be a boost. No, it's just That's like great. the business is so fickle that it's, yeah. it's just like I it's just had a show. so many ups and downs. I had a real hurtsy. I did some sweet weeping in a yeah. Baymont Inn and Sweets last weekend. I had this oxygen show. Last year, Funny Girls, they gave me holding, they gave me a big chunk don't of money. Don't say the name of it. Oh, oh okay. I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> fucking animals. And then uh, some nude broad took over. Like, they gave me, I had contracts, I had episodes, like, whatever it was. Here's, here's a chunk of money to hold you for a few months. And then um, some new chick took over for NBC's cable division. So the show went away. She cleared the slate. Show comes back. They call me in February, a few days before Valentine's Day, and they're like, "Oh, you know, you were one of our heavy hitters. Of course, you're going to be on it." And then I just found out I'm too old. They're no going, way. Yeah, they're going. They want twenty, and I'm like, "What person at twenty years in their early twenties is one funny or yeah. has anything to draw from? That's it's going to be a shitstorm, right? If you're looking for, but I was like, "Oh, too old." Did they say that? Did they say that? Not, it came back from my friend who was cast. You know what it is, is it's like whenever they're looking for younger people, like say Jersey Shore, like like a a lot of people are too old for Jersey Shore, it's because they're looking for idiots that are going to create a lot of drama. It's not like you're you're not attractive enough or anything like that. It's like you're too sensible for this show. I don't think that's what it is. I I think think somehow they think skew younger, that it's that somehow better. When Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not as interesting. I'm like... And if is you're it going straight up stand-up? Or was well, show? that's what it is. It was supposed to be stand-ups. And, like, the 
two, like my friend who was also included in the sizzle reel, who has her second half hour special and isn't also like headlining touring comic. Like they're not pulling women who are working actual comedians. It's mm. like if you're waiting tables and you're. I like that um, that Peter's like one of the more well adjusted uh, people I've ever met, and like a bright guy has his stuff together. He's a professor. Uh, of um, uh, behavioral psychology or marketing and psychology uh, marketing and psychology and then he's like I'll get into comedy that'll be fun and then now you're hearing where (laughs) where the mental state will I I was actually just talking about this because I I went as I was walking around here I was thinking about I was thinking about this podcast probably more than I should have and I was I was thinking I told him first off for our listeners, well, for you guys, because uh, <laughs> uh, you're the two listening, uh, and on, uh, um, it's uh, it, it was one of the cutest things ever because I was on the phone with Peter, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm writing jokes for the no, I, didn't say that. I said, I said, I said, I'm like Peter. No, 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 I didn't say exactly right. Uh, well, it was something to that effect. Yeah, I was like, I was Peter, about do not prepare down. for our oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. I have never once prepared. Well, no, I was thinking about how, <laughs> as, the, as the least, yeah, as the least funny person in the room, I was like, how am I going to make my way here? And uh, so I was thinking about that, and then and then Shane's like, just stop, stop right there. Yeah. He's like, I don't even down. prepare for this thing. You should not. Yeah, we. Part of the charm of this podcast is we do not give a shit. <laughs> I call it charm. But I also think, like, double dates are... It's just casual conversation. We're just going to be we really mean for this to be, like... I would never prepare for a double date, you know? Yeah, so, right. like, why would... You know, we don't have a lot of um, structure I think to a lot it. of interesting stuff comes out when it isn't as prepared. People are... Yeah. are willing to reveal a little more. <laughs> well, I was, I was thinking about how, in some ways, I envy the three of you. Because you can say anything you want, and there are a few repercussions. Yeah. Right? But as, as a professor, like you take, someone jokes. takes a sound bite out <laughs> and then plays that, and then it causes a lot of havoc in my life. Um, on the other hand, I en- I'll enjoy a regular paycheck until I decide to retire, and in that way, what there's some that? there's some oh, trade offs. Wow. Every other Friday or every Friday? It's at the, actually the beginning or end of the uh, month. I don't even. Know. I'm sorry. I need okay, to go to the bathroom and pleasure myself quickly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll write your yeah. paycheck. Uh, well, this is like my last two years are the first years where I'm like, oh. I can eat all year long. That's like before it was like month to month, like yeah. hand to mouth, like, oh, I hope I have work. And now this is the first two years where I'm like, oh, I'm good. 2014, eating. Sweet. <laughs> Paying those bills and eating. And then you just catch a break and then like everything's fine for life for some people. Well, it's such it's a, it's such a crazy life. Like, I, well, if you don't like just, Blow it buy up. a twenty million dollar mansion or something and have like a, that. A wonderful coke habit. Yeah, not that I do, <laughs> or I ever would. But what what uh, what what hard drug would you get into? Um, I don't think it you, would be hard. If you drugs. got a fortune, I think I would get just. I don't know. I don't really have any any desire to do hard drugs. Okay, I've thought about crime. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I get like so some people so some people are like oh if I make it to seventy I'm gonna start doing heroin and cocaine and doing all this stuff but I think that's like oh, I might just turn turn to crime 
That's interesting. I always thought I'd go heroin. If I'm like 85 years old, 85, like I just always had that in my mind. That's why I asked the question. I thought everyone thought that about themselves. I'm completely sober, but I think I would want to relapse on something like super, super hard when I'm old. Why not? Yeah. Why not and heroin's a great one because you just lay around. Like meth, you're like up and you're cleaning and like doing stuff, I think. But uh, this is funny that you say the crime thing because when Peter first came and said, I can't say who lives next door to us because we don't want people to know where we live. But um, so there's some um, some hedges that block our view. Oh, and, wow. and, Wealthy billionaire hedges. And, and, they, and they, used to, they used to be much taller than they like are. Now you can see higher. the ocean. I can't even believe but it. You went, but, um, Such a great We're idea. over here, and, and Peter was trying to plot. I was um, outraged by this. Yeah, he was trying to plot a crime on how to get rid of. Jokes the, about me now. Get ready. Wait, were you um, were you were you really outraged by the hedges? They are yes, ob- obscene and greedy, yeah, right? What's your view, right? Yeah. You can't yeah. see. Yeah, and it's like it doesn't benefit him in any way that they're just yeah. that much higher. That's right. Um, it's just a big fu. So, uh, so Peter and I sat out one night. <laughs> I, I just want I just want you to know the criminal mastermind. <laughs> That we're dealing he's, not, with. he's gonna be a prison. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Right. You think about it. if you're 80 years old and you don't have any criminal record, yeah. you're never gonna be a suspect. Or they're like, it can't be this guy. Well, plus, right? what crime do you want to do? Well, you, um, well, I don't even know, like, you know, robbing from the rich, of course, like that kind of thing. Oh. Like going into their house and stealing I don't know. Stuff. I mean, like a jewel thief? Like some heists? <laughs> Will you be involved in heists? Uh, clearly oh, clearly the fuck enough. Can we, can we uh, like, um, 55 years from now, form a little gang? Let's do it. What do you... What I'm definitely going to have heart disease right and diabetes. So. Yeah, but that's well, what you mean, like, if years. you make it, right? Like, <laughs> if you make it, so it gives you something to oh, live you're for. you're eating now. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you want? You, you saw the Thomas Crown Affair. Didn't you? Is this where this all started? Um, I don't know. Oh, I sorry. It's, uh, it's actually it's a, lot of it's Ocean's actually a fun, yeah, uh, Ocean's Eleven kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah that's right. You uh, stealing heist. art, kind of a thing. Yeah, something speaking. like that. Right. You want to just take from people who really don't need it, and so you want to go white collar, probably well, start who, off. Yeah, who needs a, a Rembrandt? I mean, that's banks are insured. Yeah, but banks are. I'm not. Well, I mean, look, I'm I have a friend that robbed a couple banks. Really? Yeah. My high school. My yeah, high school. Like a mask and a gun? Uh, no, it was a note. Yeah, you know? just need a note. Yeah, I just need a note. You just hand it over, I think. Yeah, yeah he did it. When the problem like is that's federal. Yeah. All banks? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Banks are federal, so it's like the punishment is, is beyond the crime. Oh. My. Oh, yeah. This is crazy. So I, I used to work at a grocery store, and I pushed carts in this grocery store, and I'm pushing carts one day, and I'm miserable, and there's like this weird guy with like a hoodie who just seemed suspicious like using the payphone and stuff for a long time and i like what's going on i I was uh dealing drugs at the time so i had like a real eye for like other drug dealers and stuff so i figured (laughs) there was something i figured there was like something like that going on and then like an hour later they're like oh the bank's been robbed there's a bank just inside of the Uh of the place right and then two years later uh, guy I went to high school with got busted for robbing a bank, 
And then they pinned all these other, they put them in jail for all this whole string of bank robberies. And that one was one of the banks that they said he robbed, but I saw the guy's face and I know that it wasn't him. Oh, really? Yeah, so Did they. they didn't know. Oh, <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen you. to this podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh. If he listens to the podcast, he's really going to hate me. My high school boyfriend, his <coughs> brother, uh, robbed a comfort inn and spent six months in prison. I remember oh, my, me and my high school boyfriend would have to go visit at the county jail. His brother, Troy, a comfort was a in. So See, like one hundred and forty-two dollars, I think, is what he got, and then he spent yeah. six months in prison. What do we? What do we rob, Amber? No, no. I think I've thought about this already. Okay, so this, you want to take on Wall Street, right? I'm actually sort of surprised that there hasn't been more <laughs> terrorism against these these Wall Street bankers. I'm so excited to hear this right now. Is this the well, Batman movie? I saw. Is this what the Joker did? Peter never walked through his plan for. For uh, the hedges. For the hedges. Yeah, we'll still talk about that. Uh, We'll still talk about that. I want to hear your Wall Street plan first. I'm just putting it together right now. But um, (laughs) so you think about it, right? Yeah. So you think about who are the real evil people out there? It's like Goldman Sachs. (laughs) Oh, this is Bane. This is the third Batman that Uh you're. (laughs) I'm channeling right now. Sorry, go on. Let me talk like this. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So. so the idea is, yeah, you want to you want to take on these guys, right? I mean, they probably have right. private security and so on, but who's going to expect like an eighty year old? How are we getting in? Yeah. No, I, all right, let me work on this idea. We want to kidnap someone. You just said you you yeah. just you just went and you you go a minute ago. You said I got it all figured out, <laughs> and, I and then you go, target. we're going to rob Wall Street. <laughs> no, no, Wall Street. <laughs> no, no, it's just like these bankers, right? You want to, yeah. you want to yeah, yeah. these bankers. You got the victim figured out. Yeah, the victim. Out. No, how to do it? It seems not practical. I this think was, it's all techie. It's somebody with smart with computers and transferring money. Yeah, I think it's. I think hack, uh, hackers are going to be able to steal so much money in the future. I think. Well. I think they're expecting that. They're not expecting a bunch of octogenarians. Mm-hmm. 80-year-olds kidnapping Wall Street guys? Yeah. All right. Well, How let's do you do feel it. like I'm your important. upper body strength is being an 80 <laughs> to really just to That's what Amber's for. All right. She's got the guns. So this is, uh, this is his plan. We sit outside one night <laughs> looking at these hedges, and Peter goes, Oh, my God. First off, I had a lot of people look at these hedges, and, and there's a lot of worse ideas than Peter's. Um... <laughs> Like, one was hire a crew of people um, during the day just with chainsaws, tell them that you own the place, like, that's a, just have them do the work and, and get out of there and, like, find some third party to pay them and, and do that's all that. That's a solid plan. It's yeah, a pretty solid plan. Just go to Home plan. Depot. Yeah. Just give some dudes Dude. a, get yeah, a bunch of illegals to do Wouldn't it. Wouldn't they fall over into the street? Like, wouldn't you have to be, like, a safety issue? Well, yeah, I think you just... out there? Like, they were hoisted in those, like, the amount of hedges they were... Because you sent me pictures. The amount of hedges they were cutting, it was, like, taller than, like, humans. So he must have taken... First off, feet. Mexicans can do anything. It's incredible. If you're just... If you just, like, have, like, a... See, any these issue. are the kinds of things I can't talk about. You can't talk about how Mexicans can do anything. <laughs> It's very it's, encouraging. It's, I feel like you should it say is, it. It is it's, lifting. It's like they're superior workers. Yeah. <laughs> um, You'll be free. But You'll be free yeah. if you say totally it. Totally yeah. free. Peter's idea was uh, herbicide or, or a 
uh, what do oh, you call poison. it exactly? Poison. That's a smart idea. And then my favorite part of this. Oh no, see, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my favorite part. And they're like, well, they're gonna know. Because there's a camera. Cameras, yeah. Oh. And then he was like, put some rocks in your shoe. Yeah. Change We're, up your game. Yeah, the shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Change yeah. your game. Wait, put what? Rocks in your shoe. That's that's I read that big, somewhere. That's once. his big plan. Rock I go, shoes. I go, Peter. Yeah. You've never done crimes before. I can tell because. You don't want to run from the police it's with rocks in your shoes. <laughs> you can, this did all happen at the time. I, I, by the way, you'll know I'm uh, I'm doing something wrong if you see me walking down the street in a Willy Wonka style kind of walk. That's just for the cameras. Well, I feel like the cameras would be like, "Hey, what, what the fuck's up with that guy? Does he have rocks in his shoes?" <laughs> I, I've got that. Rock. I probably get that idea from. Some book or movie or something like that. Hey, check out this guy hopping on one foot, <laughs> holding his other foot in pain. Yeah, What's he up to? So what I hear you saying is that 75% of my plan was good. Oh, yeah. I mean, getting sure. re- yeah, it was, it was the rocks in the shoe was where you blew it. That was yeah, my favorite true. part of I it. I know, I know. It comes up. Hey, how did you, uh, how, how do you know Amber? How did you guys meet? How did Twitter? The Twitter, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was Twitter. in the... That joke writing contest. Okay, well, at this point, it would be a good time because now we're making Peter nervous. He's not going to get his plugs up. We should introduce (laughs) what Peter um, has been and how how Peter and I know each other is I'm interested in science stuff, as our listeners know, and I started reaching out to scientists. And Peter um, got interested in the science of humor a while back, and that's what the humor code is about. That's how we met. And um, and then you just started reaching out to a lot of comedians, so that's how you met Amber. Yeah, I think I just, well, we have a lot of mutual friends. Is the case? Uh, Joel reached out to me for for this. So so yeah, the Humor Code did this. Um, partnered with the Cheeseburger Network to do Venn Madness. So so one of the aspects of the the Humor Code is this theory uh, that Amber hates called the Benign Violation Theory. And uh, and so why do, you, why do you hate it? Because it's breaking down a joke. It's like really overanalyzing what's funny. Right. And there's a theory. I mean, I think it works. Like, I, there's it makes sense to me. But I don't like to Process. think about why something. I love breaking things down. <laughs> Before I started stand up, I would watch. Um, well, even even but, when I was into stand up, until I recorded my presents, I saw every single. I did too. Com- stand up Comedy Central thing, but the thing was that I would enjoy the bad ones almost more because I would love breaking down like what they were doing wrong and seeing but I think how that different, joke could like, have been better. Extracting elements where I watch somebody, I'm like, oh, I like energy, I like physicality, I, I like, I like cadence, I like timing, I like delivery. Right. But I, I think with like I, breaking down why it's funny like I heard something a long time ago where it was like people don't say funny things people say things funny like I think uh, people yeah. are instinctually funny yeah and you know how to put like a spin on something to make anything like if I watch Brian Regan I'm like oh he can make reading a phone book funny it's just the, the way, way he says it do you find a gender difference in talking with people about this oh yeah that's a good question no really so. yeah like our are men more inclined to be like, yeah, let's break it down and figure it out? And women are like, funny's funny. Well, uh, well but, I think that, like, uh, just between April and I, I'm so much about, like, like, let's just, just to make it less messy, 
let's talk about a joke on paper. I'm so much more about the structure of the joke, and April so much more about word choice. Like, does so much more I think for it's her. specifics. When you paint a picture in somebody's mind... Details. It takes the, details. It takes them to a place, and it instantly makes it funnier. Right. I don't care about the details as much. But you always ask me for details, because you... Well, just, no, you're great at... Uh, that, I'm saying my brain doesn't, like... Process. Doesn't automatically go to... But I can look at, like, a Dave Attell joke, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's super concise, and the words are, like, it's the least amount of words to like to to convey a message and i'm like oh set up punch tag set up punch tag well let peter talk about his damn benign violation theory because i enjoy it and it's great and it does work i just think i can only talk about it for just just to i'll keep it brief (laughs) just because we had a long conversation about it and at one point i was like i thought that was a that was a short conversation (laughs) (laughs) no just kidding go ahead go ahead it's great. It works. It works. It's no, well, so to, to April's question about male versus female, so it's hard to know because the sad thing about comedy is it's just so dominated by men mm-hmm. that I just haven't met as many women doing it to talk about it to know whether there's some real gender difference there. Although what's interesting is I get the sense, that although the, like, the book is written as sort of like a buddy comedy in a sense, mm-hmm. so it's me and this journalist, Joel Warner, and we travel all around the world in, in search of what makes things funny. I think women often really like the book because there's a lot of stories in there in ways that... It's like um, chicken soup for the soul of like finding comedy, yeah, right? Isn't we, that your... We said that it, it was like eat, pray, love oh, with, oh, awkward, that what, with awkward oh, guys and dick jokes. I've never, yeah. re- I've never read either, so I was taking a stab at it. Was but close, yeah. It was close. It was um, so close. So the idea with the, the benign violation theory simply is that we laugh at things that are wrong yet okay. Mm-hmm. And... So, and we illustrate this um, in the book and in my papers and so on with this Venn diagram, you know, where one circle is benign and one circle is violation. And the overlap mm-hmm. is a benign violation, and that's what's funny. That's humorous. And so, it doesn't, you know, not everything that you put together that's wrong and okay necessarily, especially in wordplay, is funny. But you can do it, and it's a nice way to illustrate the theory. And we've done these these sort of Venn diagram games mm-hmm. and so on. And so we did. Did this thing with the cheeseburger network where we we picked sixteen humorists. Sixteen? Mm-hmm. Was it eight? I think it was it doesn't eight. Matter. It was eight humorists, and they they submitted. We gave them the first round. We gave them something benign, and then they added a violation to it. And the next round, we gave them a violation. They added something benign, and then the last hey, one, they had a my wrong. nana together. Yeah. So <laughs> and so and so Amber. <laughs> exactly. So we recruited Amber because she, we just thought she'd be good at it. Mm-hmm. And she, exactly. she went to the finals. She went to the finals. I didn't have enough time for that last one. I thought yours. I thought it was funny. It was close. Mm-hmm. It was close. His, so, his was good because he could because we had to take a selfie yeah, with it. Like that was not my idea. And then so there was more of a visual. Like there was more of a. Yeah. His had a, his was a vagina joke and hers was a boob joke. Okay. So mm-hmm. the violations are clear. So. Nothing's mm-hmm. funny. <laughs> we have different tastes. So, yeah. I'll tell you the first round. So the first round, the benign thing was yoga pants, mm-hmm. and uh, Amber crushed it with irregular camel toe, uneven camel Unevil. toe. You know, but it's like it's just like. Now so. I'm just wondering if that happens. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just. I'm just really. Sometimes the seam can creep over to one yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, really? Same it's like it. super, and then super, it'll mash. Yeah, I could talk one. about vaginas <laughs> all day long. What? I could talk about vaginas all day long. Yeah, yeah. If that's what happens. Sames and vaginas, right? That's what happens. Yeah, it's the same. So it's uneven. <laughs> I've never called it the seam before. The seam vag? That's uh, that's working its way into all my dirty talk from now on. The seam of your pants. Oh, I thought I thought you were referring to your ass crack. No, I thought you were referring to your slit as the the seam. No, no, no. I'm saying when the seam. I'm going to call it the seam from now on. (laughs) And then it'll be mashy on one side. I see what you mean. (laughs) Yeah. That's almost like a, it's almost like a double, double toe. (laughs) Uh, No, it's just one mashed toe And then one toe that gets extra plump (laughs) Uh, I'm learning so much important information Sorry By the way, this is the word plump I thought it was was fun and appropriate That's word choice I thought, yeah, word choice Word choice That was a vision By the way, that's that's, Right right there Needy and plump If people, uh, there's only going to be one thing people learn from this podcast, and it's not going to be benign no, violation. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe plump badge. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be the, the um, check the scene yeah. for you. Check the you scene. The well, show. that's wonderful. I see why you did so well in in this. Yeah, um, so that's how we get to know each other. And then, and then Amber was down in Denver. She's a Colorado gal. Oh, cool. My family's there. Yeah. Yeah, and then. Um, I did a show there, and then we hung out before the show, and then I didn't. I didn't have a great show. And then I did. And then I didn't. And I acknowledged that it wasn't a great show. Yeah, you told me it wasn't great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, I've had some. Is that wrong? I think that's. I think it's probably better. Just say, well, some days. Um, it never feels good. For like, someone for someone to say, well, yeah, 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 it's done good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I I find it interesting when comics. Like I have a friend who wants to do comedy, but he's so afraid to fail. And I'm like, why do you think you would be the one comedian if you want to try who will get away with not bombing? Think of your over the span of your career having to get a thousand bombs out of the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Just keep crossing off those bombs. What? What? Uh, have Have you yeah, ever Have you ever bombed as a professor? Oh, like yeah. felt like you just had a lecture that oh, just yeah, was definitely. not going yeah, your way. That just did not go the way I wanted it. Can to you go. blame it on your audience? Where you're like, these kids are <laughs> extra dumb. <laughs> Well, you know, because I, I see them every week, mm-hmm. it, they stay constant, you mm-hmm. know, and so it, I mean, occasionally they're, they're like not in a good place, like during the semester, like they're all oh. worn out because they're in finals and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and they're not as energetic, but usually it's on me. Like if okay. I don't do well, it's my, it's definitely my fault. Why? Because you don't prepare or you're just low energy? Yeah. You know, sometimes you're just having a bad day. I think that that, that happens yeah. in every business. And so... Um, I did learn that that my classes are much better when I fake it. So when I, so so even if I'm not having a good day and I just, you know, act like it's theater, mm-hmm. it goes, it still can go well. I feel like when I'm, I know if I'm not enjoying it or I, I'm like, ah, shit, I got to get ready and I got to do three of these today. Mm-hmm. I'm just dreading it, and then I can actually see the words coming out of my mouth where I'm not connected to them. Yeah. You're just delivering, and I feel like an audience picks up on the fact that you're not fully present. I think that's and true. then they sort of switch off a little bit, so you're not getting the same feedback. I wish I could. Um, 
I wish I could take, um, this would be an interesting experiment for the humor code if it were like a TV show or something where, where a comedian like sneakily takes little um, saliva samples throughout uh, a set at different <laughs> intervals. And I, w- I would love to know what my stress levels are at different intervals because sometimes I feel like when I'm in a zone it's like I feel like I could not be more relaxed and and the moment you get like a little panicky or like you try out a new joke these days like these marketers are doing like real-time emotional analyses so we could get one of those they can get that that from a vest totally that would be super cool and it does like your heart rate and your skin conductance and a bunch because not only that but afterwards (laughs) it would be interesting I think it actually is a great idea Um, because I was thinking about this because um, like I said I was just a little bit sick over the weekend and and I just noticed it so much more than I usually do but I always get like even after a good show sometimes I'll be so miserable afterwards just because from like this adrenaline dump Mm -hmm. yeah and I wish I knew like the various hormones because I've been reading this book all about hormones and stuff so I'm like god I wonder what's happening during that oh tell the tail thing Oh, yeah, that's, uh, I was just reading about, um, April enjoyed this. I, I was reading, um, or I was, this was a class I was watching, was talking about um, how dogs communicate through um, hormones in their anal glands, and they can't, re- they can't really, they can't really regulate whether they're communicating or not. So, like, um, if, if you're scared, a lot of times it's in your interest to be like, Hey, I'm scared right now. And you can get help from like, uh, if you're a dog, your mom or whatever else mm-hmm. might be able to come and help or comfort you. But, uh, but they can't hide that fear from coming out. And so that's why if they're, but if say you're in a fight, uh, you don't want the other person to know that you're scared. And that's why dogs tuck their tails between their legs to cover up their butthole so that they're, uh, so that other dogs won't know that they're scared. And then come to find out that's why when they're happy and dog wants you to know that's why they wag their tail. Everyone knows dogs wag their tail when they're happy, but that's why they do it. They just really want you to smell right. their asshole. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's all I ever want is for people to smell my asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is a question for you. So when you do, so you do three sets, uh-huh. are you exhausted at the end of that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because I, I feel I thought, when I teach, like, I'm just... It's, I feel like oh, you an get energy, the same same. Exact it's an energy thing. exchange they're taking from you, so I feel like I'm always depleted. One, three hours of talking yeah. is way too much talking, and I keep like a certain. Uh, this is, this is like there's people listening to this right now that think we're such assholes. Yeah, there's like true. factory workers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Wait, you have factory workers who listen to your podcast. Uh, I don't know, maybe I've worked in a lot of factories, yeah. so maybe some old friends of mine. I used to do lawn care. I used to do, like, lawn maintenance stuff. It's like in f- just pushing a lawnmower all day. I know when I leave, it takes me a long time to decompress and to kind of come out of that state. I'm, I'm usually amped. Like, if I have three shows, I can't fall asleep till 5, 5.30 in the morning. Really? Yeah. I mean... I sometimes get really excited just alone by myself, like, writing a new joke. Sometimes, like, if I'm alone in a hotel room, I'll be, like, getting up and, like, practicing the joke. I feel like a fool. Like, if someone were to be secretly recording this, I'd feel like an asshole. But, like, I get... I get that same sort of rush, but it's still nothing compared to, like, the... uh, Like, 45 minutes of just, like... 
keeping focused. And I guess I never really thought that. It, maybe it's because um, of my high school teachers all seem so um, disinterested. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that those folks are worn out in the same kind of way. Like, I think it's the performance side of it all. Well, there's so much adrenaline that goes invo- involved. I think if you're a factory worker, you're just sort of, I don't know, how, I've never worked in a factory, but you're just, or you sit at a desk all day for mm-hmm. eight hours. There's there's not that sort of, that stress well, and that fear, and I don't know. But you were giving yourself to these people. You're giving them a piece. So, of course, you're going to be a little Choose strange. your words carefully. Well, I give you're a lot of people a piece. No, don't you feel like you're... And yeah, you're, you're. They're taking yeah. joy. Yeah, I mean it's highly yeah. evaluative. I think that take that's that ends up being a stressor. And then it's just you're on your feet and you're. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not. I here, sit now. Here's what I'm a sitter. You what, do really? I on the stool. Most or? of most like I'll get up now to deliver a punchline, but I find that I'm more conversational seated. So I try to do pieces that should be conversational sitting down, oh, and then. I'll get up and walk around if it needs to be more animated. Plus, heels for three hours yeah, exactly. are not. I sit when I teach. Do you dress sometimes. up? I've, I I used to dress up a lot, and then sometimes I just get really lazy. Like I haven't shaved my legs, and I'm like, ah, fuck! I gotta shave and then put on heels and a dress. And now I do some act outs, like on a. I do some mass, drowning while masturbating bit where I'm like, I don't want to see my cooch. <laughs> I always have a lot of front row cooch concerns. <laughs> yeah. So that's why people come to our shows. I know. Those for, I know. Cool. for the chance, yeah. Coach just, just a flash, just a flash of, of, of meaty, meaty plum. I I often when I'm doing shows, I notice yeah. I notice the audience checking out my seam. Uh, <laughs> you want them to my, check out my, your seam so my, bad. You know, April makes uh, April makes fun of me, but she's actually been very nice to me. <laughs> we went. She was she was performing in Denver and. Uh, bunch of friends we all went to the show and she made fun of every single person in the in the front row except for me I, I didn't want yeah you were I, with your friends I saw, <laughs> I saw her she looked at me like she was about to and then uh, she just shifted one person you look over. so happy I didn't want to destroy it I didn't want to destroy it I know her <laughs> I love that Denver room I think it would be hard. Um, I would improv. do the improv. Oh, nice. They're, they're actually a, they're a comedy works split family. Well. He's a comedy <clears throat> works guy. She's an improv guy. Yeah. I hear wonderful things mm-hmm. with the comedy works, but they've been giving me, that guy's been booking me like every seven or eight months, so That's good. I will keep going back. Do you guys spend a lot of time? So you're both on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that hard or are you just used to it or I'm so used to never being home for any holiday or my birthday or just being isolated in a hotel room I mean I'll like I mind I know coming up in May I have like four or five days at home yeah and that seems overwhelming where you're like oh I can't even fly back home some weeks because I only have like one day in between oh, doesn't really make man. sense mm-hmm. so sometimes I, I mean I get sick a lot I get sick four or five times a year oh really <laughs> yeah I was sick, like crazy sick in November. Just lost my voice two weeks ago. Like, it's the airplanes, yeah, just yeah. constant recycled air. You're not eating as well. Sleep. Yeah, it's like I, you know, here we eat re- fairly healthy. We can exercise, and then you go on the road, and I'm in some Baymont Inn, just in the middle of nowhere, and the only thing is like an Outback Steakhouse, and you feel like you deserve it. You're like, I deserve a blooming onion. I deserve <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> or being in this shithole. <laughs> Um, I think uh, I was thinking 
um, about what it would be like to be a professor. And I think the hardest part would be having to plan out, because it's like you're planning a different act for each class. And that's a lot of acts to put together. But on the flip side, as a comedian, like you're sharing yourself more than like information about you rather than like facts about but other those things. Those jokes that are way harder. Like, don't you? That's what I'm that saying. Is it's harder? It's harder to. Family story that's took exa- me eleven years yeah. to start to talk about my family on stage. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's I was um, just talking about. Do you talk about your family? Are you? Um, a little bit. Like, I got in trouble with my family recently because of, like, something I was doing about them. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was, uh, it's unfortunate. But uh, mo- most of them are pretty, I don't know. My mom's just, like, a nervous person anyway. And, yeah. like, she's just always nervous about whatever's coming out of my mouth. There's always, like, a complaint about something. So I don't do much family stuff. Do you? Do more about her. Well, I used to when I started because I didn't know what else to talk about. But the longer I've been doing comedy, I saw in Peter today, it's almost like I'm much more of a better joke writer. Mm -hmm. And I can make up situations and be very hypothetical. Mm -hmm. Do I not talk loud enough? No, you're good. And um, so, but then I started to pull away from true stuff that Mm -hmm. I really want, like, true stuff about me. Because I was writing jokes about, like mannequins and you know just weird weird things but now I just want to go back to talking about my my life and my like true stuff about me so it's it was I perked up when you said that it took you a long time to talk about forever like I feel like it's easy dick jokes there's some sort of separation between that you're not really letting them in but if you let them in and a joke fails you're like oh that (laughs) that hurts yeah and I've my family stuff is so dark that like to make AIDS hilarious, Nana AIDS hilarious. It's <laughs> oh, really is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh, both side of AIDS. So, oh, and yeah. I have those jokes like blood transfusion, open heart surgery, eighty one, unknowingly passed it to my what? grandmother. What? So I have those jokes. <laughs> yeah, like I my schizophrenia joke, like aunt schizophrenia suicide. Like I want to tell those jokes because yeah. it's. I like the Michael Bolton stuff you do. Well, that's so much lighter. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can tap into like Michael to... Bolton and my parents forcing me to audition for the Mickey Mouse Club and like stuff that's kind of light and easy. But to dive in, especially after telling a few yeah. dick jokes, they're like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Why are we going to Nana AIDS when we just talked about jerking off for twenty minutes?" But that's yeah, to me. That's the thing that's really amazing about about the business that you're in is that. I, I actually think that that's what you should be working on. Like, the hardest stuff yeah. is going to I know, I'm so terrified. Be, right. But, yeah. the, like, the hardest stuff is also going to, you know, it's the highest risk, but it's also the highest reward, reward. right? When Because when, if you can get the laughs, you can find a way to make these wrong things okay. Sorry, yeah. violation plug. But if you can do that well, yeah. now you're in a different category. Yeah, than anyone else, I'm, right? Than the person who just does the seam jokes. I'm aware yeah. of that. But it is, it's, you feel so vulnerable and exposed out there. And plus there's stories. Like for me, I know these jokes, here's a hard laugh. It's like set up, punch, hard laugh. Mm. It should be, you know, a laugh and then an applause break. But when it comes to telling a long story Mm -hmm. and then the payoff doesn't hit, you go, oh, I just took seven minutes and they're not with me. It's, it's really terrifying. That's what, that's I always feel like I have a little easier time talking about. I mean, some dark stuff like um, I, is is a little harder for me. But 
I think I think when I'm the most terrified. I think. I believe dark stuff coming from a woman, it takes the audience a lot more. Uh, they, they don't want to go with you as much because they feel bad for you because you're a lady. Is it more right. Like, I have dad beating jokes, and I know that there are a lot of men that tell, you know, beating, getting beat as a kid, and it's hilarious. But when you picture a, a woman getting yeah. beat as a child, somehow it's not as funny. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's more, it's like more of a, it's too much of a violation. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I agree with it. I think that is part of it. I, but I think that, like, for me, when I share something dark about myself, and it's like, uh, and people are like, oh, oh, I don't want to laugh at that. Like, they feel bad. When it's I feel the most still vulnerable. Feel bad. I think a lot of times if you're still attached to the feeling of not feeling completely okay with it, then the audience senses it. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to say something? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I feel I still feel the most vulnerable doing like really weird stuff. I like I can't stand the look on people's faces like what's he talking yeah, about? Like that drives me crazy more than like someone going oh at a thing that I wish they were laughing. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, well, at least they're sympathizing for me rather than acting like I'm an asshole. Well, I tried I, out one new joke this last week that was like, oh, it was so brutal. Did I not go my when way. When I do those jokes, the family jokes, people buy a lot more stuff because oh, they feel attached to you yeah, yeah. in a different way. Or maybe they feel a little sad for you too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> my AIDS joke, like at my the joke is I'm like my grandparents died of AIDS and like I know I'm just as surprised as you guys. I had no idea we were Haitian, which I think is a hilarious. <laughs> Comics will laugh at it, but audiences just recoil. They're like, Ugh. and they don't quite believe it. Yeah, <laughs> that's another problem. I didn't yeah. believe it. I didn't yeah. believe you made it the first no. time. So, so one of the things that happened with the humor code that I that is interesting is you know Joel mm-hmm. is a journalist, so he did the heavy lifting on the writing. <laughs> And uh, and we we decided that we were going to write the book from his perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's a co-authored book, but it's written Joel as first person. Because he traveled all around the world, like, going and checking out clowns in Mexico and stuff. <laughs> I haven't fucking tried to... You're out here to plug your damn book. I'm going to tell people what your book's about. I, I read it. the book, and that's really great. You're in the book. I'm in the book. You're in chapter Please nine. read it. Yeah, you got to you got to read all the way to nine to get, to get a just one quick, touch before, of shame off. Before you tell the story, just so people get a sense of it, tell the thing about Japan. Uh, that's one of my favorite things. Okay, so so the way that we approached this project, so what happened was, I, I was studying what makes things funny. I have a lab called the Humor Research Lab, aka Hurl. It's a stupid name. <laughs> and, uh, and so along comes this journalist. I want to write about this. And uh, he says, I want, I want to go to the, the toughest open mic in Denver at the Squire Lounge and critique the comedians. Tell me why they're funny or not. And I must have been having a pretty good day because I said, well, why don't I get on stage and tell some jokes? Mm-hmm. And uh, end up bombing, and then this sort of turned into this project. Like, ah, uh, you know, I got a lot to learn, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a big, scary world out there. Let's go and, and explore it. And so, every chapter is a different location designed to answer a different question. So, one of the places that we went was Japan to try to understand individual and cultural differences. Like, mm-hmm. why is it that Japanese comedy seems so bizarre to Americans, mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably American comedy seems bizarre to Japanese, and so on. So. So we went to Japan and, and spent time with, uh, with these comedians who work on these game shows, these variety shows, mm-hmm. like subjecting themselves to, 
getting wiped out and just having like just totally awful stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, but what's the city with the um, you know? Oh, Osaka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Osaka is the comedy capital of Japan. <laughs> and uh, what's fascinating about and then they take great pride in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and evidently, it, it has a long history. It goes back to the Shogun mm-hmm. Warriors. Like so, so Osaka was like this business center, and it was it was like. It was so important to the Shogun, they sort of just left it be, like, that we're not going to mess with it there. And so people were a lot freer and happier and more cheerful. And that's where they, these scholars argue the, that Osaka's um, good sense of humor comes from. But allegedly, that if, if you are walking down the street and you, you make, like, a gun with your fingers and you go bang to just a random stranger... They'll like act like they've been shot. <laughs> <laughs> to anyone? Yeah, to anyone. Isn't that amazing. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I wish we could start that. So there was so so at the end. Not of, in a post nine eleven America, <laughs> we can't do that. Not at all. So at, at the end of the book, to sort of prove we've learned something, I get back on stage at at the Just for Last Festival, mm-hmm. uh, the world's largest comedy festival, at this professional comedy club, and tell jokes. And I tell a lot of jokes from our stories, and one of them is about this, about Osaka, and uh, and say, oh, this would be a great way to go about robbing banks. <laughs> just go in there and bang. <laughs> and the problem is, is you take the money, you put it into your invisible bag, and it falls out, out of the bag. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was, it was a really wonderful trip there. And before you, I cut you off, I you were saying what I, what was it was something about, about um, Joel and right. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so you know, the people expect a book about humor to be funny, mm-hmm. and um, and Joel's an entertaining writer, and I, yeah, I have my moments, you know, in terms of of making jokes and so on. But one of the ways that I think makes the book a lot funnier is that that Joel writes about the dumb stuff I do. Yeah. Right, and so, and I made a decision that I was going to let that happen. You know, that I wasn't going to edit that stuff um, much at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in, in, uh, later in the book, we, um, we go to the Amazon to look at, is laughter the best medicine? Mm-hmm. And um, like two days after my, I get back, my mom dies. Mm-hmm. And so we, Amber clearly hasn't read chapter I, eight. Yeah. I haven't read any of it. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, I and and so we we wrote about it. So he basically interviewed me like he would a subject because I flew back home and, and my mom was cremated. And my sister and I went to the beach and scattered her ashes and mm-hmm. talked about like you know and and early on we talked about kind of like the trouble troubles we had you know dealing with a difficult mom and so yeah. on. And uh, so that was a lot easier for me to let someone else tell the story. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to hear it in his words and through his eyes, rather than me have to tell the story. And by the way, make people laugh. People attach so much more to personal stuff than I do. Like I don't know <laughs> what's wrong with me because, like, I'm so much more interested in like big ideas and concepts and stuff than I am. But like for me to be able to but do any of those, I have to attach it to like some personal story. But that's how an audience to. relates to you. Is that's what as I'm a saying? Human, yeah. like they want. They're not coming back. Like I, people don't pay to see somebody tell jokes. They pay to see a persona. You're not paying to see Ray Romano read some. You're paying for that for that character that he right. is. Yeah, but there's Jim Gaffigan, Hot Pockets. Everyone wants Hot Pockets. But Jim Gaffigan is. It's a character. You're paying for that. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I am. I, I totally agree with you. I think people are paying to be moved in some way. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think, and there's more than one way you can do it. So you can move people on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. But I, but like what Shane Shane's comedy is that that people learn something that they didn't learn before, and so in that way they they say, oh, that was that was good, mm-hmm. right? You know, because they feel like they got some value out of it. And so. That's really the nice thing about this business is that you can have your own. you get to the same place through these different paths. Luckily, not only can you, you basically have to. You have, yeah, that's right. Well, I, I think the problem with comedy and why so many people like want to do it, it's like the people that are the best at it make it look so easy mm-hmm. and effortless. So you go, oh, I'm funny with my friends. I should be able to do that. I think that's and also the squire part of the challenge of. Like talking seriously about comedy is like people don't understand like the what seriousness of it. it. Like I think that's why it can be hard to tell people like, no, you gotta read this. But like, what goes into comedy is so amazing, and, and like, uh, just I think now that people are listening to more podcasts about comedy, I think that's helping people. I don't empathize even think with. you can probably. It's such a weird lifestyle, and it takes so many years, and I don't think people are aware of how many hours go into. Like, my friend that wants to do comedy, he thinks, like, oh, I'll do a few open mics, and then I'll open for you. And I was like, no. (laughs) It takes, that's a good seven years of every night, two Mm -hmm. times a night, before you can do a 20 minutes that I'm going to have any faith in. Amber, what... what do you feel like the most passionate about when you're doing it? Do you like love writing or is it just like more consistent paycheck or do you like the stand up more like when, or is stand up like more ups and downs? Yeah, I've been consistently inconsistent with stand up <laughs> just because I keep taking so many breaks. But with writing, I feel like I'm more drawn to just sitting at my computer and, uh, coming up with ideas and just sort of losing myself in the writing and then as a performer I don't know I I feel like the people who have made made it or making a living at it Mm -hmm. have like more endurance like after you know doing it for eight or nine years they're still getting up every single night Mm -hmm. and I'm coming up with like I you know I want to sell a show idea and you know I have like animated series stuff going on and uh you know I wrote for I just, I just feel like I'm, and I feel like I'm a better writer than I am a performer. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think I'm just drawn to what I'm better at, maybe. What, um, this would be tremendously beneficial um, to me. What, what is your, um, like, what are your writing habits? What do you uh, go through in a day? I probably write, um, I write new jokes every day, probably like, it depends on what I'm working on. I love Twitter, and sometimes mm-hmm. I could use my tweets on stage or, like, develop it into... Mm-hmm. Uh, so I probably write three to five new jokes almost every day. Maybe one of them will be usable on stage. Mm-hmm. But um, but if I'm working on a script or something, I will wake up before the sun rises because I, if, I, if, I, if I'm excited about it and just write... I, I probably write at least three hours a day, no matter what. There's this uh, this book, Daily Rituals. Mm-hmm. Have any of you heard of it? Mm-mm. It's this guy. He he's a, you know he's a uh, some sort of English prof or, or um, so on. He he just started doing this analysis of like biographies and autobiographies and so mm-hmm. on of 
great minds. Mm -hmm. So these are people in science, in um, in music, in art, and literature, and so on. So you know, it's a who's who. Like, mm -hmm. Hemingway, Voltaire, um, Jane Austen, etc., and uh, and it's really fascinating because what you see are the the commitment that these folks have to their craft mm -hmm. and how they they live a life where they just push out all the distractions and they spend not all day but a good chunk of their day working on their craft mm -hmm. and then they go have fun basically mm -hmm. and, they, and this guy did an analysis of a he just sort of randomly picked out, you know, like 25 of these folks. And they spend about five hours a day, four or five hours a day, mm -hmm. working on their on their craft. And uh, you think about it, and they do it nearly every day, mm -hmm. right? You know, and so if you think about what happens is that, you know, three, four or five hours a day writing or composing or painting or whatever it is, at the end of the year, you have some really good work, right? You've done amazing work. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people outside of the business or even in the business don't realize how important it is to just do it. I used to always, the first thing I'd do when I woke up, I would get my computer and just start writing jokes. And then it would be with me through the whole day. I would think of things more and everything else. And like, I feel like I've fallen out of that recently. And it's just like hard to get going if I'm waiting till the evening to start mm -hmm. writing or something I and think just make I, up excuses. In the beginning, when I first started and I didn't have any material, I would try to fill up like a notebook a month. And then I was like, oh, how do I become funny? How mm -hmm. do these... So now it's like every joke, I feel like you can turn up the volume. Once you have a joke, you're like, how does this, how do I squeak every last bit of laughter out of this joke? Like, mm -hmm. what are all the other elements that go in on stage? Because... You're in front of people, so then you have to figure out... Yeah, you're editing. Yeah. See, that's what I'm not good at. I would rather write five new jokes mm -hmm. than work on a bit that needs... I'm the same way, and a April and I like kind of butt heads with this some sometimes, because we're, we're both just two very different... Because I'll write, I'll write a new hour every year, but it's like but I also not feel the best like hour to put. Yeah, to put an hour out. Why not take another two years and figure out how to make that hour that much funnier? Like, because no I'll get sense. so bored with that. But material. it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter if you're bored with it. It's the same work that has to go in with performing, yeah. taking acting classes, and understanding like improv, and then working on elements that you're not quite comfortable with. Because to take a laugh from like a tepid, you know, some tepid laughter, and to be able to turn that into like rolling laughter with an applause break there are a million other things that go in i feel like comedy for me where i look at like the alti scene is they take that one element which is joke writing and they go done and done and dismiss like all of the other shit that goes into making somebody hilarious i don't know yeah you're i think you're you're right because yeah. i'm i'm more in the alti scene yeah. than definitely the club scene, and it is. It's just like I think you got to meet in the middle, though. Yeah. But it's not that I still you still have material, and right. I feel like as a performer, then you can work it out on stage. You're like, if I if I'm like, oh, that worked. Add that the next time, and then a bit that starts off as a joke then grows. But I, I feel like people are so dismissive of all the other elements. But if you look at anybody that's great, they have all of those other elements. It's well, yeah, they write a lot of. I mean, you have to write a lot of jokes, right? Yeah. You, you know, but then you have to take the ones that are sort of working best, and then oh just, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think it depends on your delivery. If you're just a setup punch, you know, you could barrel through. Like, there's the joke; it's over. But if it's a bit. 
But I also I think that set up punch comedy, like you have to be so fucking brilliant. Yes. And more so than anybody else. Otherwise, if you're not better than Stephen Wright, then why are you choosing? You have to then add another element. You're mm-hmm. like, I'm not that brilliant. <laughs> I'm yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. And to fill that kind of time, to fill an hour with set up punch, set up punch, set up punch, and just stand there. The jokes have to stand on their own and be so... I mean, but even Stephen Wright, there was like a certain... Or Mitch Hedberg, there was a certain cadence that drew you in that mm-hmm. made it... Mm-hmm. I just can't watch... When I look around the room for a light, or I'm like, when is this person getting the light? I'm like, they need to take an acting class because I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. And if you're a performer, then you have to know how to perform, I think. We argue about this. Um, <laughs> no, that's not a big deal. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> Peter, you have your book about your uh, uh, about traveling around the world called The Humor Code, and it's a fantastic book. I hope everyone reads. So, what are you doing uh, now? What's the what is the next step in uh, humor research? Yeah, trying get yeah. get some damn copies, our listeners, please. <laughs> we um, don't ask you for much. Get Peter's book. I've read it. It's very good. It's very interesting. It's fun read. I actually asked Shane. I was like, Shane. Should we, there are places we should punch this up. He's like, no, I think it's funny. Mm-hmm. That was high praise. Oh. Yeah, that's high that praise. Was um, so the next big thing, I've been I've been thinking about this a lot, and uh, so the next big thing is actually related to the stuff that we've been discussing, mm-hmm. and it's if you've claimed to crack the humor code, mm-hmm. can you use those insights to make the world a funnier place? So can you help people appreciate humor? produce humor better and there's almost no research done on that topic mm-hmm. and I think that that's like that's obviously a you know it's a it's a big goal but it's a really important one and where can people uh, follow you on Twitter and keep up with um, uh, all your new you stuff? can see me trying to be funnier uh, at, at Peter McGraw and uh, PeterMcGraw.org and the humor code.com and at Humor Code on Twitter. I think you can and, always get funnier. Oh, like, yeah. if you look at, like, a professional athlete, their careers peak at whatever, 27, 28. But right. comedy, when Don Rickles or whoever else is still wheeling themselves on stage, propping themselves up at 80, 90 years old and still making a room laugh, you're like, oh, yeah. well, there's always something to be learned. Yes, yeah, so well, I'm, I mean, well, I'm betting big on that. I'm betting the next six mm-hmm. years, at least to my career, to spend on, on that. That question. Um, Amber, um, where can people find you? Anything you'd like to plug specifically? Um, you could just follow me on Twitter, um, at Amber Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R, and then I post things there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, are April and I going to be in your wedding party? Or? <laughs> uh, of course. Well, we hope it's at the Malibu Cafe. Is all we ask if we can... No paddle. Gotta stop blowing the... Blowing up the Malibu Cafe, it's no, gonna get overwhelmed they just with people. Give us free, free chicken and waffles. Uh, they have chicken waffles. There? They really do. It's oh. really good. Um, I, is amazing. I used to have a joke, and this is an absolute true story. Is before I moved to LA, um, I was on the phone with my um, my agent's assistant, and I was, I was gonna be visiting LA, and he's like, "Oh man, when you come out here." There's going to be this great place. Uh, i got to take you to this great place to have the best chicken and waffles. Oh, oh, that's what happened. There's an earthquake. Uh, there's a small earthquake in the middle of our phone conversation. And I didn't know that. And so he was like, all right, come out here. There's, 
there's going to be these amazing chicken and waffles. I was like, chicken and waffles? It's like, yeah, you've never had chicken and waffles? I was like, no, no, never heard of them. And then I just hear, oh, my God! Oh, my God! I was like, God, I got to try these chicken and waffles. That's a real thing to happen. That's a good joke. That's a great joke. Uh, anyway, check out Peter and Amber. Exactly. No one got hurt. Um, uh, you guys have been fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show. And we're going to go and order some sushi. Woo! Uh, not to brag. Um, thanks for listening. And get Peter's, uh, get Peter's book. Um, check out Sideshow Network and their other podcasts. And you guys are awesome. Please spread the word. Tweet out about us. Thank you. It's a double date with Shane and Nate Portland. Just a couple couples meeting up for a discussion, getting internet and into it and putting it on the internet. It's a double date with Shane and Nate Portland. Chewing the fat, shooting the breeze, pushing the buttons and boundaries. Conversating Nate's lay it on the table. It's a double date with Shane and Nate Portland.